Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. The train has left the station and guys, the guest today, holy moly, holy moly. He is one of the godfathers of marketing. I would say if there was top three marketers that everyone could name in the marketing space, he would be one of them. And somehow he's on this podcast. I think we tricked him with bags of money and, and all sorts of, uh, I don't know, sunshine and fame, but he's a serial entrepreneur, a content creator. You may have known him from the world of Moz, which might already give it away, but heck, you're already here because you saw the name on the episode. Creator and host of the 5-Minute Whiteboard Videos, co-founder and CEO of SparkToro, Rand Fishkin. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, Casey, thank you so much for having me. Dude, I'm glad you're here. I can't wait to learn from you. I can't wait to get to this. And you know how we like to start the show is by smashing a myth. So I'm going to hand you this thing. It's heavy. I got to warn you in advance. It's heavy. All right. But I know you work out. So one sec. <laughs> okay. All right. Thor's hammer, go ahead. Grab that. <laughs> if only I had one on my end. Wow, wow, well, okay. For everyone listening, Rand just took Thor's hammer with a backhand, just casually, as if it were a paperclip. So clearly we're in the presence of superheroes here. So Rand, take for me Thor's hammer, smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Sure. Uh, a vast majority of the marketing opportunities that you have come through Google. Total myth. No longer true. Probably true in 2008, 9, 10, maybe in, even into 11, 12, 13, started fading today. Definitely not the case. And I think digital marketers unfortunately grew up in an era when this was true. Uh, most of the leadership teams um, and founders and company owners believe that Oh, if only I ranked number one for a bunch of keywords that are relevant to the thing that I sell or do, I would dominate my field or industry, get tons of leads, be successful. Um, there was a time when this was mostly true, somewhat true, and those days are gone. That is not to say this is, this is why the myth persists. The myth persists because it is still a little true. You can still get quite a bit of traffic and attention and leads and all those kinds of things through Google search. It's not gone. By no means is it gone. In fact, the SEO industry, the, the search marketing industry is bigger than it's ever been, right? There's more money spent on Google search ads every, you know, this year, 2023, than there was in any previous year. Google has only ever had Jeez. growth. It's never shrank. Um, I suspect we still have a few more years of growth before that plateau really starts to appear. But what's hiding, what's hiding there is that where people learn about new products and services, where they learn about new ideas, where they get, where they uh, come up with the problems that they then need to solve does not happen exclusively or even mostly on Google anymore. It happens in all sorts of other places. Obviously, 
uh, social media, social networks, entertainment networks, content networks are huge parts of those. So too are <laughs> the offline world. Uh, and then there's a massive, massive amount of activity that no one talks about that happens in essentially uh, niche sources of influence that publish on the web and attract traffic through all sorts of sources and are paid attention to. This is every email newsletter, every podcast, every YouTube mm -hmm. channel, every niche website, small forum, subreddit, you name it. All those places drive a ton of the traffic and attention and awareness and engagement and content that influences people's behaviors. Unfortunately, it's hard to do marketing in those places. And for that reason, yeah. right? For that <laughs> reason, marketers are like, Psh, let me just buy some more Google search ads and try and target some more keywords and build some more links and get some more rankings. It's so much easier to track it, right? Well, Google just gives me this beautiful dashboard with this great color palette that shows me all the clicks I'm getting. Maybe I can just do more of that. It, you know, it's, it's, it's so weird and cool to hear you say this. And I, and I wonder how you feel about this because, you know, for a lot of us, we're thinking, you know, back in 8, 9, 10, when it was mostly true that, that this was the source for customer research and all that, you were the guy yep. that helped us all make that happen. Yeah. So to have you be the guy saying, it's not that anymore. Stop. Don't go watch my video from 20, you know, 20, you know, 10. That's not going to help you today is, is, the, is this message I'm getting. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, I don't know. It would be like Ronald Reagan waking up from the grave and being like, no, no, I think social security is a good thing that <laughs> we should do more social programs. Um, <laughs> And, and I, I know that, I know that this is a, a big challenge for a lot of marketers. I think the, you know, the issue here is that in order to break out of that mindset, um, of, and, and pattern of like, Hey, we have our systems. We're good at them. We've done them for a long time. We have our process really dialed in. We've got the team. We have the tools, we have the reporting systems. We can see that it's still generating revenue. Like, you know, Rand, will you just shut up about this other stuff? Like we, we have a good thing going. Why, why you got to mess with that? Yeah. I don't think my message is for those people, right? If you're running a digital marketing agency, that's less digital marketing and more just, you know, we make content for SEO and then we try to get people rankings and search engines, and then we buy search ads and manage those, the search spend. You know what? Fine. That's going to exist for a long time. If you're really good at it, that's great. Yeah. Like keep, keep doing it. I'm not, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. However, if you're starting a business, if you already own a business, if you are a CMO at a small to mid-size or even a large company, and you're thinking, where should I be putting strategically, where should I put my dollars and my effort and my thinking and my product positioning and how am I going to reach people? What channels should I be investing in short-term and long-term? Where should I be building up my audience and how? I, you will be left behind by the you know, top 10% of sort of marketing savvy folks who get that this world is different from the world of 10 years ago. Um, and, and, you know, for them, I think, I think this is critical. 
Like you can keep using your SEO team, your SEO agency, your search agency, right? To buy your ads and whatever, manage your spend. That channel isn't dead. That's not what I'm saying. But yeah. <laughs> your competitors, some of them are absolutely being present in the places where your audience and customers already pay attention. And by doing that, they are earning those customers' business before you even have a chance because they don't go to Google and search for, you know, generic unbranded keyword that is my problem that you're going to solve with your product. What's happening is they are learning about the problem and the potential solutions, and they're going to Google to search for name of your competitor. Mm. And you've already lost. Right. They're just doing a, like a branded lookup. They're just, they're browsing, <laughs> browsing by search. They're not even intro. Yeah. That's so crazy. Right. It, if, it's almost like you're waiting. Think about those sports metaphors where they're like, go to the ball, you know, don't just sit there and wait to try to catch it. I feel like a lot of us are doing that where we're like, oh no, don't worry. They're going to, they're going to Google how to launch a podcast and maybe one day, you know, I'll click them. And <laughs> it's like, man, somebody jumped in front of that thing three months ago yeah. and, and they're best friends on a community and they've listened to a hundred hours of them on a podcast and all these other things and they're end arounding. Yeah, all that's, that. a, that's, a, that's exactly what's happening. And I, I think if, if you consider your own behavior as a consumer, right, you, you have whatever, a, an idea in your head of, oh, I'm interested in whatever this skincare product, this digital camera, this, um, standing desk. I'm interested in this yoga mat. I want to join a gym in my area. And you don't go, you know, uh, gyms in my zip code nearly as often as you look up, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, Green Lake Fitness near me. Right? Like, and, and it's yeah. like, well, Green Lake Fitness already won. The four other gyms around you, they, they weren't on your <laughs> radar. Like they, they lost right. before they even started fighting. And I don't, I don't see uh, a way around this through purely search marketing. You, you have to expand uh, your, your strategies. And for a lot of folks, that's uncomfortable because they're not familiar with, well, well, how do I do whatever social media marketing on the networks my audience pays attention right. to? Or how do I do content marketing natively on the content networks or entertainment networks that my audience is paying attention to? Or how do I do PR and appear in the sources that talk about, um, mm. you know, my field to people who might pay attention? Um, and yet this all seems incredibly obvious when people are tasked with a job where they know search won't do it. I'll give you a good example. Let's say tomorrow, Casey, that uh, I tell you you're the head of marketing for a brand new video game that's coming out. Sweet. Pretty cool. Let's go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, sounds great. You got this great video game. It's uh, let's say, let's say it's targeting not, not super casual gamers, but maybe like mid-level gamers with a, with a, with an Xbox or a switch or a PlayStation or, or they play on their okay. PC. Right. And so you need to make sure this game is a hit to this audience. Give me one keyword you could possibly rank for. That would help you win. I know. Like what would, yeah, what are they searching for? Maybe they're searching for like monster energy drink, but they're not even searching for that. So it's like, I, I, I hear the challenge, man. Well, let's say, let's say, like a, let's say that you're clever and you come up with ask. the answer. Well, surely they're searching for best video games 2023. 
or best Xbox games mm-hmm. 2023. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. Guess what you will never rank for? Never. Not in a million years. That? <laughs> There's only one way. There's only one way to get in those results. A solid product and good PR. Right? Mm. Like the game is fun. It's, it's you know, built around some marketing stuff and it appeals to the sources of influence in the video game world that are that are likely to rank for that. And best Xbox games 2023, I guarantee that search has one one thousandth the number of searches as uh, the number of views on the top 10, let's say, YouTube streamers in the uh, game space that you're in. For sure. Uh-oh. There's a there's a guy named Quill18 who plays these nerdy sci-fi turn-based strategy games. I'll go watch his videos or on either on Twitch or on YouTube and I'll watch him play it and if he hates it, I pro- I'll, how how did it go? Oh, man, he was having kind of fun. Yeah. I was enjoying watching that. I'm going to go get the game now. Track exactly. that with your dashboard. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And there's no attribution, right? Right. 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 Like you the the marketer who runs the team and tries to do reporting to that sci-fi games, you know, CEO, what, what are they going to say? They're going to be like, okay, we were on this YouTube streamers uh, stream. We can see that it had this many views. That's it. That's all, you know, right. That's, yeah. that's your reporting. That's a, that's what marketers, especially search marketers, right. And, and conversion focused marketers for two decades called vanity metrics. Right. right. What did Avinash right. Kaushik tell us? Right. right? Uh, uh, you know, when he was at Google, he said for years, don't pay attention to vanity metrics. Look for the money. Show me the money metrics. Show me where conversion actually happens. Show me things where you can track the path to conversion. Guess what? You cannot track to that path to conversion. And now, and now, right? Chrome and Apple uh, and Firefox are pulling third party cookies. So forget about it. Even right. if you're advertising, even if you, are like, okay, I know we're going to be on the stream channel. I'm going to buy a YouTube ad so that I can see all the people so I can track their behavior. Nope, gone. Next year, completely gone, right? Once Chrome phases out third-party cookies, you will not be able to do that. Google will still give you some, um, what, what do they call it? Uh, Panel-powered kind of, kind of grouped data, right? The flock fledge oh, yeah. thing, the federated list of cohorts, or the, the new one is is fledge i can't remember what that acronym stands for but essentially they take cohorts of people with behavior and then they uh attribute some so they'll say a group of people saw your ad we won't tell you exactly who and then another group of people whatever made it to your website another group of people purchased and so this is your ad efficacy and here's how much more you should spend with google and you're like Yeah, gosh, um, I guess I have to believe you because I don't have a choice, right? I can't see it myself. Feels like tea leaves, right? Like we're just trying to, oh, look at the the bones have made a shape. Let's invest more here. God. God. Okay, so, you know, I feel like I wanted to put Google to rest before diving into like, how do we fix this? And I feel like you've taken me there because now I'm like, damn, we can't track any of this shit. So, so hell. Help me, Rand Fishkin. Where do we go from here? Like, if if it's not this thing that we got so comfortable with the dashboards and the tracking and the 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 G click and all the things that made us comfortable knowing that we knew exactly where someone came from yeah. and why they bought, how how do we shift over there? Where do we go? 
I mean, I think the only answer is we move away from what the last quarter century taught us to do, which is attribution and move back. I know this is super weird, but move back to 20th century style measurement, right? In the 20th century, um, you know, whatever, think like classic 1960s Mad Men era advertising, right? So you're, you know, you're Coca-Cola or whatever, you're running a billboard on Fifth Avenue in New York. You can't attribute any sale. Not one bottle of Coke can be attributed to someone seeing that billboard on Fifth Avenue. But if you see same store sales in a five mile radius around Fifth Avenue lift by X percent over the next three months and you didn't do other advertising in that area or you didn't change other advertising in that area, then Coca-Cola, the corporation can estimate that they got a certain amount of lift from that billboard. And so they know, hey, let's go test that billboard in Detroit, but not Chicago. And then we're going to see whether it performs similarly. And once they have you know, validation of that, okay, we're going to roll it out across the country, right? We're doing, we're doing that billboard everywhere. And that's, that's exactly how marketers will have to measure these types of campaigns too, right? You're, for your sci-fi video game, you're going to have to go and say, hmm, all right, I can see that within the 60-day window after the streamer's uh, views started rising and then crested and then came back down, we see this amount of lift. You could even, if you were really smart and had nice connections, Casey, you could, right? You could, you could go to a friend in the industry, in the video game industry, and you could be like, hey, I saw that your game was featured on so-and-so's channel. How'd that do for you? Yeah. Right? And then, oh gosh, you know what? It performed pretty well for them. You know what? I'm going to go look at the Steam reviews for the last 10 games that this person, um, you know, featured. And I'm going to see if the ones that they gave a good review to, like, did they have lift after on the days after the video came out and when it got most of its views and gosh, yeah, they sure did. Okay. You know what? I'm going to estimate that I can get this amount of value and, and that this person's worth this to me. And okay. They want 50 K to, you know, do an episode about my game. I think it's worth it. Right. I can see the ROI. Right. Okay. Like now, now we've got something and that's just, you know, that's one kind of like creator influencer marketing now go, all right, I am going to look at the top 10 video game review sites and how they all feed into Metacritic scores. And I'm going to do a, um, you know, sort of a correlation between Metacritic scores and game performance. And, oh my gosh, it's very positive once you get above sort of whatever the 75, 80 mark. So how do we get great reviews from these sort of 15 reviewers who we are pretty sure will cover our game. We have relationships with them. And now you're doing like a full PR exercise. And, and then you might say something like, oh gosh, you know, uh, Twitch and TikTok and uh, subreddits. And, you know, you, you could list out all the sources of influence for a sci-fi game. And then you make a list of all the tactics that you're going to do in them. And you try and figure out what are the vanity metrics that I'm going to measure? How do I competitively intuit how they've contributed to previous games in my sector. That process is not actually that dissimilar. Like you're applying the same kinds of knowledge that you might in the search marketing world, right? When you do keyword research and you look at all the keywords and you say, okay, these are the ones I think are relevant and how, how are we going to rank for them? What content is going to perform there? How are we going to get links to it? Uh, oh, I, now I got to figure out 
you know, whether uh, Google's results are actually showing organic links high enough that I can estimate a click-through rate that's going to be same thinking just applied to different channels and tactics. And, you know, what, what I'm encouraging people to do is to break out of the, I need to prove to my boss that we spent whatever, $25,000. And I can prove that these 1,712 conversions came from that $25,000 spend and had an ROI of this and have a lifetime value of that. That's gone. Like you got to give it up, right? You're, you're going to waste some of your marketing spend. You will, you're going to waste some of your marketing activity and you're probably going to get higher ROI. Yes. Higher ROI by doing these serendipitous, hard to measure things, these investments in channels that are mostly um, not directly paid, but very legwork intensive, right? Very human activity and sort of relationship driven. And um, those those things are going to be huge in ROI and nearly impossible to do attribution style measurement with. And I wonder, you know, before we mourn the loss of attribution, I mean, I remember having conversations with people that are just like, you know, that, that whole full attribution is kind of bullshit anyways. Nope. You know, did, did we actually know nope. where you came from? Yeah, you Googled it. Well, guess what? Prior to that, you had a meeting with a salesperson at the event, but you didn't get scanned and then something else happened. And then, oh yeah, marketing sent an email on Monday, so they get full credit. So like, we, I don't think we ever nope. had solved it anyways. So maybe we don't have to cry too much, but it does sound, I know you said it's like just same scientific approach in a different area, but it does sound like a re, I mean, it's not a a new way of measurement. It's like renewing Mm -hmm. the old way of measurement and kind of, yeah, a little bit of change has to happen. And our, our brain, our gray matter has to adjust to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is, um, you know, very much why after I left Moz, I, I did this Spark Toro thing because I was kind of like, yeah. what what I wanted was, oh, going back to that that Mad Men nineteen sixties analogy, right? So you would walk into yeah. the offices of you know an ad agency, and they would have a book, they'd have a book of all the media, right? Because in you know in the nineteen sixties, at least in the American landscape, you could yeah. put all the media in America in like you know a book this big and in a binder this big. It was with a very narrow right. group. Um, and they'd be like, oh, okay, you want to reach uh, chemical engineers in the Midwest? Great. Here are the four trade shows they all go to. Here's the three publications that they all get delivered to their office. Uh, and here's the seven right. magazines that, you know, it's like Life has a 16% share with them and Time Magazine has an 18 and a half share and the New York Times only has a seven share. But uh, actually the Milwaukee Tribune... It's got an eight. So, you know, that's a pretty cheap place to advertise. We should do some advertising. <laughs> like literally that, that was the thing. Yeah. Right. And they would essentially, what would they do? They, you know, they'd have teams of surveyors who'd talk to 500 chemical engineers every five years and be like, Hey, what are you reading, watching, listening to? Can I see like all the mail that comes to your house? And they put it together in these big surveys. And that, that was the way it was done. And the way what, what, what frustrates me frustrated me so much about sort of modern digital marketing is like that data is all public on the web. You just have to crawl and index it, right? Like you can go visit, you know, to, to the point of like, uh, 
whatever YouTube, right? You could you could go and yeah. you could visit every single public YouTube profile, and YouTube shows you every channel every YouTube profile subscribes to, right? So yeah. then, if you can connect up those YouTube profiles, enough of them, right? A small percent of them with like uh, their Twitter or their LinkedIn, and it's like, okay, well, LinkedIn says this person's a chemical engineer and. They're in the United States and they have a YouTube profile. Oh, okay. I can see that they subscribe to the CH2M channel, right? Mm -hmm. And like 17% of all chemical engineers in right. the U.S. look like they subscribe to that YouTube channel. But you have to do it manually? That's crap. <laughs> that's never going to happen, right? So that that's essentially what, right. what you know, we built SparkToro to be is that, that book, but for the digital age. Which makes sense. And, and I want to get into, because I actually pulled SparkTor up um, just now, um, that transition, what was that like for you? And did you fall into that? Did you experience it the hard way? Or were you just like clairvoyant enough to see it coming in like, you know, you tie a bow on Moz and then you're like, here's the future. What was that transition like for you? Because mentally, as I make that transition, as you talk to me, I, I, it's like gears are grinding together and I, I have to reinvent my soul. So how, what was that like for you? Um, let's see. I, so there's, there's lots of like complicated personal and professional stuff with the, with the end of Moz for me. So I, I left in February sure. 2018 and left is maybe a generous <laughs> interpretation sure. that, uh, of the verb, right? I, I think if I had not voluntarily left, I, I would have been escorted out of the building, <laughs> right? So in chains and shackles. Yeah. Hopefully not that bad. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that no police would have been involved, right? I think it would have just been the building's right. private security, <laughs> um, which is a little less, a little less, uh, damning on your permanent record, but you know, not a. Um, not an ideal situation by any means. And um, on the plus side, I think it helped me create some emotional distance from the business, right? And like, you know, because this was, you know, this is a company that my mom and I started in technically in 2003, but, you know, I'd been working with her since 1999 um, when, mm -hmm. I, when I was like, you know, a sophomore in college. Um, and she had started the business that became, you know, that other business that became SEO Moz and then Moz. She started that in 1981. So this was like a wow. you know, lifetime family business kind of thing that, that turned into Moz. And, um, yeah, I, it was just like a, it's a hard thing to let go of. I tied so much of my personal identity to that company and brand, um, which followed me for years, right? Like so many people who. Mark Toro, what's that? You're Rand Fishkin. That means you're Moz. And uh, that was... Uh, right. You're the SEO guy. <laughs> yeah, you're the SEO guy, right? And it had to be like, hey, no, I actually have a non-compete. I can't do any SEO. Like I had to sign a thing, which which I think um, I, I would be very excited. I, I think the Biden administration is considering making that illegal, that you can't prevent someone from working in their previous mm -hmm. space with a non-compete. California already has that, which is really cool. Um, so... Anyway. Now the question is, would you go back now knowing what you know, right? Would would you do more SEO yeah, sure. knowing that really Spark Toro now it's yeah, it's I mean new way. We we still get a ton of people writing to us um at Spark Toro asking us to include some SEO data, right? So I 
sure. you know, the answer is yes, right? If if our customers sure. want it, even even if you know it's not my personal uh, area of focus, certainly yeah. going to do it. Like I, th I think in the SparkToro V2, we're going to have keyword research data for the first time. It'll be different from what you might get from a Moz or a, a SEMrush or Ahrefs or something like that. Um, but yeah, people want to know, like if I'm searching for chemical engineers in the United States, also tell me what they search for, which I think that's completely fair, right? Like that's a very reasonable ask. Uh, my non-compete expired. So, um, finally, so yeah, I, I think that's a fine thing to do, but it's not a, it's not my passion anymore. Like my, my real passion and interest in the marketing universe is let me help people find, um, more information about their audiences and how they can reach them. That's not just search. Cause I, I, I think in the vast majority of cases, search is not the only place to be, um, or even the, necessarily the best one. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I would say that transition for me was, it wasn't as hard mentally around the, Hey, the industry's changing for a long time at Moz. Even if you watch those late whiteboard Fridays, you can see me sort of talking about or, or tweets from 2015, 16, 17, 18. Uh, you can see me talking about how like SEO used to be a great starting point at, as a marketing mm. channel. But instead, right. in, in the later years, it became a great place to um, drive more value once you'd had it, once you'd built an established brand in a space. Right. Because it just wasn't, it. you could not get into the top of Google's results for anything competitive with a new business. Like, or if you're just starting out in SEO, you, it wouldn't happen. But you've been running your business for 10 years. You've got a reputation. You have lots of people talking about you. You already have press and customers and, you know, a whole industry of, of um, sort of signals that Google paid attention to. Yeah. Now, like, now we're talking, let, let's get some content out there. Let's do some cured research. Let's you know, figure out how to, how we get that content in front of the right people. So they link to it and get these other ranking signals. Absolutely. And so then the, the transition to, gosh, if I'm helping people find these other sources of influence, you know, with SparkToro, that, um, that felt pretty natural. Yeah. I can, I can see, you know, that, that change and, and you had the ability to, to see it happening and changing out. It makes sense. And, and it kind of gives me encouragement that, you know, if, if you, if you can make that change, then, then we can too. But also if we want the results, we're going to have to make those kind of changes. So talk to me real quick about SparkTor because I, I pulled it up when you mentioned it. And what I got is this, this is beautiful white box. It says, try it for free. It's like my audience frequently talks about, and then it says B2B marketing in there um, for me. What is this? How do I use it? All that. Yeah. So, uh, SparkToro is a, um, essentially a, it's like a giant database of sources of influence and people. And then, uh, the, the people are anonymized and aggregated. So we don't handle personally identifiable information. We're not like collecting, you know, names, addresses, phone numbers, social security, nothing like that. It's really, Hey, here's a person with these characteristics, or here's rather 90 million people with these characteristics. And then let's search over those characteristics to find people who, whatever, if they frequently talk about video games on social media, or they frequently talk about, um, gosh, uh, gardening, or they frequently talk about, frequently talk about, obviously very different from searches for, 
right? So frequently talk about would be if you if you post regularly to Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Reddit, Facebook, YouTube, right? With with the words gardening, then Spartora mm. will find people who have done that, right? Whose profiles, whatever their comments on YouTube or their you know posts on Reddit or their um, the tweets they send, LinkedIn posts they do, whatever contain gardening. And it'll be like, okay, we're going to put you in the bucket of people who frequently talk about gardening because that word came up, whatever, 11 times in the last uh, four months in your public profile. Yeah. And we have a group of 1,600 people who match that criteria. Here are their demographics. Here are their behaviors. Here's what they follow. Here's what they listen to. Here's what they watch. Here's what they read. And then you could be like, oh, dang, now I know which podcast I should sponsor if I want to get in front of people who are regularly talking about gardening on social media. Cool, right? Like that's a that's a thing that I think you could not really discover before SparkToro existed. Um, yeah. But, you know, now you now you can and and we make it free for anybody. Like it's not a it's not a free trial. It's just a forever free account. So you can just run as many, you know, a bunch of searches every month and then you'll get more next month and if you find it valuable, um, then you can you can be like, oh, I want more data or I, I want this other kind of data or this other kind of advanced search or whatever features. And then there's upgrades. Um, it's a fairly inexpensive product um, designed really for like small businesses, small agencies. So like 50 to 300 bucks a month. Super reasonable, man. I love that. Um, I'm definitely going to have to check that out because it, to your earlier point, it's like the binder, you know, it's like the, the binder days. Yeah, it's the binder. Now, does it come with a little little cart full of uh, bourbon and whiskey? Yeah, oh, and yeah, definitely. Be- <laughs> alcoholic beverages. There's there's sexual harassment that happens every week. You know, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. All the things. All the things from the 1960s. It's just great. No, definitely, maybe, maybe definitely none of that. From that movie show. Yeah, the, the one thing you want to keep learn, get from that that whole experience is probably just the binder. They can keep everything else. Yep. Yeah, the rest of it, the dysfunction, the inability to communicate, yeah. the emotion, complete lack of emotional intelligence. Um, yeah, they can they can keep let's let's keep that in the 20th century. Right, right. We'll just take the binder and run. So so with that, I'd love to time travel a bit more with you. Can you can you take me back in time? Because I'm thinking like, who are you? I, I you know, I've seen you in front of the whiteboard. You have a whiteboard for you now. Um, you know, I've I've met that the persona of you, but I like, who are you? Who is Rand? Can you take me back in time? Little Rand days. Did you know you were going to be, you know, crushing the SEO, the search, the spark tour, all these things and the thought leader in the space. And I mean, great hair well into your old age. I, Casey, I don't know. Uh, my suspicion is that we are relatively similar in age. Um, I was born in the late seventies. Right. And so I, right. I don't, of course, <laughs> There was no internet, right? When I was growing up, there was no internet. So of course I had yeah. no, you know, no thought that this was something one could do or that I wanted to do it. Um, you know, my mom brought home a copy of Mosaic browser in, is that 94, wow. 94, 95. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I love this like internet thing, but the dial up connection at our house was terrible. <laughs> you know, all, all of that, like early internet type of situation um but 
I, you know, I think one of the weird things about me, weird things, interesting things is I don't really have a persona. At least I don't think I do. I, I try to be exactly the same person, whatever, publicly and on podcasts and in front of the whiteboard sure. and on stage that I am off. Right. So if there's no sort of two rant, I know, I know plenty of people who do that, right. They have kind of their professional persona that person has a style sure. or a way of speaking or, um, you know, whatever, a formality to them. I don't really have that. Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, in person, maybe. Yeah, I get I, that too. I kind of see that. I, yeah. I see that from you, right? So it's not like you secretly hate SEO all these, all these times, all these days. No, <laughs> you no, are like, just like, hey, I am who I am. Yeah. And right. So like when, when I'm pissed at Google for doing things that I think are unfair, wrong, illegal, violate any trust, I let everybody know, right? Like it's not, yeah. I don't keep that stuff secret. I'll talk about it on stages. I will um, give Google a hard time to their face. I'll, um, you know, I'm, sure. I'm not someone who sort of, I don't know, subsumes my personality or my beliefs in order to, you know, get my career ahead or make more, build relationships with people who have money or that kind of stuff. <laughs> this, right. this is one of the reasons why venture capital was not a match for me after Moz, right? Is that I, I despised the, like, oh man, okay, I guess I gotta hang out with a bunch of like very frat bro like sort of secret society type Silicon Valley founders and investors and burning and, effigies, <laughs> you know, pretend to care about their Porsches and their yachts right. and you know whatever whatever they learned at the Aspen Ideas Festival. Like I, but. <laughs> To be honest, right? Like I hate that world. I really despise it. Yeah. You know, I, I love cooking for my friends. I, I love, um, making cocktails for people when they come over. Like, I, you know, I have some, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, like fancy tendencies. I like wearing fun clothing, right? Like I, yeah, I enjoy men's fashion. I think it's really interesting. Um, I don't know. I like getting my hair cut every three to four weeks so that it, so that it looks sure. good. You know, I'm, I don't know. I guess I have some of those, um, whatever, not, not super great, uh, aspects of just like caring a lot about my, no, but I would say, but, but it sounds like you're doing it for you as opposed to you doing it for some, yeah, yeah. Right. To gain social cred. You just, I like it. You want to feel good about you wearing uh, the, and it is a cool shirt, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. I, I love that you've got like, uh, you've got the white shirt with the, with the flamingos yeah. on it. And I have like Flamingo. a dark shirt with little musical instruments on it. It's like, it feels Hell like yeah. we dressed up for this. We did. We did. <laughs> like we planned it ahead of time. I was like, all right, Casey, what are you wearing for the podcast? Right. Exactly. Are you wearing blue? All right. I won't wear blue. I'll wear white. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, I am not. Um, I'm not someone who pulls punches on stuff either, right? So as right. I found lots of things to criticize and sort of whatever venture capital culture, startup culture, SEO culture, I think the cult of personality in SEO is very weird. I I fully get mm. that I benefited from it, right? Like as I yeah. grew my sure. personal brand and, you know, especially with with hosting lots of video stuff and speaking at lots of conferences and all that, I became a personality that many people associated with. I I always found it weird, right? Like I'd travel and go places. Occasionally someone would recognize me from marketing world and be like, oh, let's take a photo together as if, as if, um, 
you know, I were some sort of celebrity or something, which, which I don't, I don't think that's actually what was going on. I, I think it was more like, oh, I like what this person has to say about the field of marketing. I admire their sort of whatever journey or, or, or thought leadership. Sure. And so that photo was very different. Like it was not, oh, there's Tom Cruise or <laughs> it wasn't that. Um, right. And we'd have, we'd usually have a meaningful conversation. You know, I was just saying that I think people were seeing the authentic you and it just, that's fun to watch. And I think there's something to it. And I think you, you still continue being that. So, but with that, before we run out of time, I have a hypothetical question. If you're ready for this, you see, I may or may not have a time machine here in Nashua, New Hampshire, where I'm based out of. So let's say you come visit, right? Come do an event in Boston or something, come visit New Hampshire and Look, the time machine's in the backyard covered in a tarp. So we go use the time machine, but it's a special kind of time machine where you go back and you get to meet yourself a couple days after graduating. I think you got that finance degree. Is that right? Or you're in school? You dropped out. Okay. Oh, I dropped get, out okay, of college. Perfect. Modification. You get to go meet yourself four days after dropping out of college and you get to talk to yourself. That version of Rand, that Rand. And, and you have permission to say anything you want, advise any way you would want. What would you tell yourself in that situation? Ooh. All right. Uh, let's see. T two things. One is I would tell myself, hey, you know that girl you got a crush on? Uh, I have good news. She broke up with her boyfriend and uh, you're going to date and get married and live happily ever after. Don't screw it up. Love it. Uh, and then, uh, and then I would tell myself, um, I got you this book and I would just hand them lost and founder. Yeah. Cause that, that book, that's essentially, that's the whole thing, right? Lost and founder is just a, Hey, you had these like 17 kind of, you know, ugly, challenging years, you know, everything was was hard and 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 the huge reason why everything was hard is because you didn't know what you were doing and you didn't feel like there was any path and um every everything that you had to figure out was for the first time uh, which is dumb like what you know one of the things i i i give this advice in the first few chapters of lost and founder which is don't go start a company mm. after dropping out of college like it uh, will almost never work for anybody um and if you can join even like two or three companies before that, that sort of have some similarity, I don't care what you do there, right? Like you, you can do anything, you can mop the floors, but, but join a couple companies and see how they do things so that you can learn what, what you like and what you don't like and what you wish you could change. And how does a, a business just generally function? How does a CEO make decisions? How, you know, um, if you want to start a startup, yeah. join a couple startups, have some, have some ugly, messy years where you're like, oh, I don't totally love this. And boy, this company's a wreck and I'm not going to do it this way when you do it. So, um, yeah, I think lost and founder is essentially just exactly what that is. And I, I suspect that, you know, what they always tell you, right, mm. write for one person, you should write your book for one person. And, and I, I wrote it for someone who uh, hopefully is not just like me, but someone who like me is starting in, out in their career or they're, they're in their career, but they're in a rut and they 
are thinking about doing something different, making big changes in the, in the way they work in the way their business works in um, starting something new. And uh, I, I, I hope it Man, can be helpful that. to a lot of folks. It's definitely going to be going on my list. I got a book reading challenge this year to get to 23 and that's going to be one of them for sure. Uh, Ooh. So with, with great. the girl that you should talk, did, had you, did you wait a bit? Did you not know that she had broken up and, yeah, we met in the uh, traditional Gen X way. Okay, Cupid. <laughs> um, we re met uh, on a bus coming back from oh, a okay, concert. That, that's the yeah, that's the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think um, I think millennial would be would right, be like an online dating website, yeah. right? Um, right, but uh, Gen X, we you know for whatever reason uh, didn't do it. I, I I don't believe in generational cutoffs. Like I think they're the stupidest thing in the world. I have no, there's no statistical. There's there's no statistical reason why uh, if you were born in 1981, you are nothing like people totally born in 1980 yeah. or 79. Like it, it it makes no sense, right? The the only generation I think line that makes any sense is the baby boomer generation, which is comes from that post war period of like you know high reproductive rates in the United States and you know so you have in Europe, right? So you have this boom of people being born and having a very yeah. different experience post-war than what their parents and grandparents had, you know, that, that I believe, and I, I get why, uh, mm. demographers, is that the right word? People who do demographics professionally, um, like why they, why they establish that. But then every other generation after right. that is like dumb. And you get a letter like what I would say though, maybe the, the, the internet around there, America online, you know, people starting to have a, like something around there, the, Pre that, like, you know, when you had to pay yeah. for hours on America Online and you accidentally got in trouble with your parents because you what, did too many hours on the internet, you know, <laughs> hours were rare. I actually, you know. oh, I remember there was a there was a bulletin board um, which uh, supposedly had, you know, uh, adult pictures of some of my favorite Hollywood stars in like the the mid 90s right early mid, mid 90s when i was a you know young teenager and so of course i was like oh i really want to get on that bulletin board but oh, you had to no. call long distance to dial into that bulletin board and it was like, you know, i was like oh i can't get it right i'll just have to wait for one of my friends to to hopefully get one of those pictures <laughs> it takes like four hours yeah, to download right? like one jpeg <laughs> right that's the sweet sweet sound of that null modem yeah. i'm not know. sure i'm not yeah, I'm not completely convinced that like that internet is the same as the internet in 2001 or the internet in 2021. Or, yeah, yeah, I right. used to hang out so, in the True yeah. Confessions. This is True Confessions with Rand and Casey. Uh, I would run out of hours on America Online, so I would go to the tech support channel because people were chatting in there. <laughs> and it didn't count. Oh, yeah, smart. Yeah. That's super smart. I always felt like America Online, I did not get into just, we got mm, unlimited I numbers know. of the discs, right? To like try it out. But yeah, it just, it just wasn't for me. I did yeah. a little bit of Prodigy, um, but didn't find that super compelling either. Mostly, you know, I spent a lot of time in the late nineties on Dreamweaver, yeah. like Macromedia Dreamweaver building websites, right? That's what, that's what sort of got me into SEO, got me into the internet, was building sites. Cause I was like, oh, I really want to make something for the web. And I think it, this is weird to say, but a, a huge driver for my 
content creation and even entrepreneurial activity is still this guilt when I don't create, right? So if it's been a few days since I've published something that got engagement on the internet, whether that's whatever, a blog post or a video or, you know, a, a Mastodon post or sure. a, uh, something on LinkedIn. Do you? Um, I do. I do well on Mastodon. I do Don't almost as well like as I do on Twitter. Don't you have something yeah. on there though? Um, uh, you, you, you do. It'll, oh, okay. Now it has a default. It sounded complicated. So I was like, I don't, sets you I don't up know. One. I'm a caveman. Um, you also have to pick an email provider, Casey. <laughs> oh, okay. That's true. But as long as we're not you still You also have Hotmail, to pick a domain name. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like Hotmail, Gmail, Mastodon works exactly the same way, right? It's like you choose, do you, do you want to be on Mastodon social, which is kind of like Gmail? Do you want to be on mas.to, which is kind of like Hotmail? Do you want to be on, you know, some other server? Which like one should I join? Yahoo? Which or, server you know, should I, should I social? Is that the one? Yeah. Mastodon social is right. fine, right? Like it's totally great. You, um, I can send you an, an invite yes. code, which will then just invite you to my server, which is Mastodon Social. But um, you can, if you go to Mastodon now and sign up, it's not it's not complicated. Okay. It, it kind of never was complicated. Like that one, you have to choose a server. Yeah. That's the only thing that was any different than any other service. Yeah. But yeah, for some reason, it like really That's threw a people server. off. Um, <laughs> which sucks because I think Mastodon, Mastodon probably, if they didn't have that one piece of friction, they probably would have... Um, taken another, you know, 50 million users off of Twitter back in like November, December, January, and then, you know, potentially have been just like the new Twitter. I believe that. Yeah. Funny that yeah. they had to have that. So, I mean, this is a great reminder, right? That like marketing is not everything people, right? Product is a huge part of this and adding even a small amount of friction, especially a small amount of friction where people don't expect mm. it. Right. Like I expect when I, for example, when you signed up for threads, I don't know if you signed up for threads, No, <laughs> but like, so Instagram and, and Facebook, right. Made it so easy to sign up for threads. You essentially just hit one button that was sign me up for threads. Right. And then it took your Instagram username and all your Instagram details and automatically ported that it gave you a little box. So you could like change some things if you wanted okay. to, but. It was basically you hit continue, you're good. You're on threads. So no wonder they have 175 right. million users in like, you know, seven days or something. Yeah. Imagine if they had asked that people about a server. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And then the buzz becomes, you know, it's not even uh, the friction itself. It's the buzz around the friction. Yeah. Right. People, people told other people. I started signing up for Mastodon and, but I didn't do it or like, Hey, I signed up for threads. Are you on threads? I'll follow you on threads. Right. right. Like that, those two experiences are just super, super different. You're right. And, Cause I um, didn't actually even experience the server thing. I just heard about it and saw other people going like, Oh, which one should I do? And I, I was like, wow, this is a lot of, this is, this seems complicated. I'll just go over here and eat Oreo cookies instead. You know, crazy. Yep. Yep. Oreo cookies go down easy. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. I think it's really, yeah, it's, a, it's that tiny little bit of friction. So we experienced this with SparkToro. For example, when you uh, went to SparkToro just now yeah. and you said, oh, my audience frequently talks about, you know what everyone plugs into that? What? SEO keywords. Right. 
Of course they do, right? Because they're, they're like, oh, ran fiction, yeah. online tool for marketers. This must be about SEO. Right. I don't know why they say my audience frequently talks about, but I'm just going to pretend that they mean my audience searches for. Mm. And so people put in the search keywords that they think you know, their business is for. I would say like 90% of our customers, of, of, our, of people who try the tool, right? A few hundred people try it every day. And 90% of those put in what, what I would consider to be not the right thing. And instead of the search not query, good. they should be putting in keywords, they should be putting in, and I guess maybe they don't know what your customer talks about. They're just guessing. Yep. So it's, it's like, you know, if they say, oh, well, I'm looking to sell potting soil, right? To people in, um, I don't know, in Seattle. So I'm going to put potting soil Seattle. Mm. Guess what? Nobody publishes on their like LinkedIn posts, right? <laughs> Potting soil, Seattle. Nobody, nobody puts that in the posts of a you know LinkedIn no. or says it on Twitter. <laughs> the only people, the only people who put it on uh, on their public pages are people who are selling potting mm. soil, right? So you're going to get instead of your customers, you get what your competitors, you know, behavior of your competitors, and so this has been like a huge educational process for us, and we're actually. We're throwing in the towel with V2. We're just going to be like, nope, we're going to have the three searches that you can do are instead my audience searches for. Mm. So that SEO keywords is a thing you can just plug in, right? Uh, my audience visits a website. So you can just put in your website or a competitor's website. Or my audience uses these words in their bio or their job description. So if you're like, oh, I'm targeting chemical engineers, you can still do that. That sounds like we lose a little bit of power because we're not smart enough to use it. So what should what should I put in there? And do you have an advanced thing? I mean, this is or like yeah, yeah. So so right now the thing like my suggestion, um, if you can possibly think of it, if there's a source of influence that is powerful in your industry or with your customers, for example, we we're talking about video games. I might plug in uh, my audience frequently visits the website gamespot.com. Okay. Right. Or my audience frequently visits the website IGN.com or Kotaku.com or, you know, would I put in that places. streamer that I was watching? Would I, would I put that in there? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. My audience follows the social account and then put in the YouTube of the streamer. Okay. Great. Right. Like that's a really good use case as opposed to my audience frequently talks about sci fi right. video games. It probably, actually, that one will probably work because there's plenty of people on social media talking about sci-fi video games and they probably are your customers so in that case the seo keyword and the thing that describes your business and the thing people post about are all the same works makes sense great right so it sort of accidentally works <laughs> you know you plug in a thing that not because you're you know you fully understand how smart <laughs> works but you're just like i'm going to start with this thing and that works fine for a lot of people and i think that's why we haven't completely changed it yet but this is, this is, you know, speaks to that intuition around, it's not intuition. You know what it is? It's empathy. It's the same thing marketers do every goddamn day. What do we do? We have to have empathy for our customers and our audience. We have to put ourselves in their shoes and be like, what resonates with me? What, where do I, where, if I saw this message from this person in this place at this time, and it said this, that's what would get me to take the action. And these are all the things that would stop me from taking the action. 
And then your job as a marketer, right, is essentially to tell those stories in those places to those people. Um, but yeah, when it comes to product design, I don't know, sometimes we get lost in like engineering brain yeah. and you're like, well, it's, this is how it functions on the back end. So this is how I'm going to make it function on the front end. This would be really cool. Let's put this in there. Yeah, this, this will be really cool, by the way. That is uh, my understanding of how pretty much every video game is designed. It's not. Not a great, not a great move. Like occasionally, you know, games will be good despite the fact that it was essentially like three dudes sitting around a table and be like, you know, what would be cool is if the gun shot grenades. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. But the grenades heal Boy. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bro. <laughs> High five. Man, um, <laughs> one final question for you. SparkToro. Is there wizard guidance involved in this? Because it sounds like there's a bit of a learning curve that I need to, I need to change my brain. Is there some training involved learning or do I just unleash myself? No, into the it? good news. Yeah. The good news is once you, once you try one search, you'll get it extremely it. fast, right? Like you, you'll search for whatever, um, gardeners or you'll search for chemical engineer. You know, my audience uses these words in their bio, chemical engineer. And then you'll be like, oh, you show me demographics like gender and age and country and skills and interests, right? All the stuff from LinkedIn, like, and then, oh, you show me which YouTube channels they subscribe to and how many, you know, how many of them subscribe to it. And you'll show me how, you know, which social accounts they follow and how many and which websites they visit and how many. And it's like, great, I can do kind of my essentially channel strategy through this and my tactics too. Cause I'll be like, all right, let me build a list of all the podcasts and all right, throw that list into my, into my SparkToro lists. And then SparkToro, uh, we have an integration with hunter.io for the, the email. Oh, wow. So we'll like give you the email addresses of all the people who run all those podcasts if Hunter has them. And then you can just be like, great, I'm going to email these like 17 podcasts and try and get on there and, or email the editors from these, you know, publications or whatever it is. Okay. So you got, you got me now with the integration on the email. Cause now I can go take, a, I now have a list and I can take immediate action. I'm excited to go try this thing out, man. I know I've kept you forever. Where can people reach <laughs> out to you, connect with you? How do you want them to connect all those kind of things, URLs, socials, all that? Sure. Sure. So I, yeah, like I said, I'm most active on uh, Mastodon where I'm at Randfish. Fish at Mastodon Social. Uh, I am also starting to use threads a moderate amount. As soon as the desktop version comes out, I'll probably be on there more because um, I just don't love doing social on my phone. Uh, so there I'm Rand DeReuter, my wife's last name. Cool. Um, and uh, on uh, LinkedIn, Rand Fishkin, I'm moderately active there. I'm not always great about checking my DMs. So I recommend people email me. I'm just rand at sparktoro.com. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I've learned a ton. Uh, I can't wait to try out SparkToro. I can't wait to do a lot of things. So I really appreciate you just hanging out with me for a little bit. My pleasure, Casey. Thanks for having me. All right. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share this with someone else, one person. Just share with one person, but tell them what you learned. Share some takeaways, LinkedIn, whatever. But that's thought leadership good information to other people's hands. With that, Rand, thank you again, sir. You are just as cool in person as you are in front of the whiteboard.
Oh, that's very kind, Casey. I appreciate you, sir. Absolutely. For those listening, this has been awesome, hasn't it? Just another crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.